Hallelujah. Are you happy this morning? Say yes. Yes. Are you blessed this morning? Say yes. Yes. Are you anointed this morning? Say yes. Yes. Are you ready to receive from Jesus this morning? Yes. We are so delighted to be here. My name is Daniel King. This is my beautiful wife, Jessica, and we are missionary evangelists. We have traveled to over 60 nations around the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I was 15 years old, I was reading a success book. It said, if you want to be successful, you need to write down your goals. And one of the goals they said would be good for young people is to try to become a millionaire by the age of 30. How many of you would like to be millionaires by the age of 30? What about by the age of 60, second time around for some of you? Well, I realized that because of my upbringing as a missionary in Mexico, that money was not what was important to me. What was important was souls. And so at the age of 15, I wrote down, I, Daniel King, want to lead one million people to Jesus before I turn 30 years of age. Instead of trying to become a millionaire, I want to lead a million heirs into the kingdom of God. And so God started opening up doors in different nations, and I'm excited to tell you that that goal has been reached. We've led over one million people to Jesus. Isn't that exciting? And so now we're going for a million souls every single year. It's a big goal. In the natural, it's impossible, but that's what God put in our spirits to, to go for. And so last year, one year ago, we were here at this church. How many of you remember us? I remember you. I remember all your beautiful faces. And uh, so we're very delighted to, to, to be back. But last year when we came, uh, this church received a very significant offering mm -hmm. to help us in going to the nation of India. And so last year we went to India. We did a massive a miracle festival, thousands of people came, and we also built a church in a village for some of the people that had gotten saved at our services. And in that village, they did not have fresh water. So out in front of the church, we dug a water well. And so our prayer is that as the people come to that church for the fresh water, that many of them would discover the living water that comes from Jesus Christ. Amen? And so this church had a significant part in helping to make the church in India come to pass. And so thank you so much for that. Uh, I just honor you for your giving. I mean, you didn't even know really what you were given towards, but just to have such a tremendous impact yes. all the way on the other side of the world. And so I want to show you this video. This is from the nation of India. Uh, 12 months ago, and you'll see the brand new church building and the dedication of the church building, and you'll also see the, the old water they used to drink, and you'll see the, the new water that they're drinking now that you guys helped make happen. So let's watch this video. 18 months ago, I came to the nation of India to do a massive gospel festival, which was held right here on this ground. And today, we're going to dedicate a brand new church building that we've built in a village that is only 15 kilometers away. And so people from that village, they came to our festival, they got saved, they gave their lives to Jesus, and now we're following up on the fruit of these new believers by building the church building. There's a pastor that will disciple the new believers, and, and so it's so exciting to see what God is doing here in the nation of India.
So thank you guys so much for helping to make that happen. Your giving made a huge difference. And we are going once again to the nation of India February 1st. And so um, you can come on up, bring that the ladder, you can put it right here. Um, February 1st, that's uh, next Sunday. Next Sunday I'm preaching at a church up in uh, uh, the Edmonton area. And then directly from Edmonton I'm flying to India. And so uh, we're going to be doing a, another massive miracle crusade. We're expecting anywhere from 10 to 15,000 people to come each night. It'll be six nights long. And uh, my friend, uh, Merritt Hunt, who's sitting here in the front row, uh, Merritt waved to everybody and his wife, Megan. Um, Merritt has traveled with me to several different countries, probably five or six different countries we've been to together now. And uh, so he's going with me to India, and uh, uh, we're doing six nights. So he's going to preach three nights. I'm going to preach three nights, and we're going to have fun. And uh, we, we still are believing God for the budget for that to be met. And so later on, when Pastor David receives the offering, the entirety of the offering, everything that you give today, will go towards helping to lead people to Jesus in the nation of India. And for every dollar you give, we'll probably be able to lead at least one person to Jesus. How many think that's a pretty good investment to be able to lead someone to Jesus? And, and so I would just ask you later on to, to give something very generous to help make a difference for the kingdom of God in the nation of India. Now, my passion is evangelism. I love telling people about Jesus, and I believe that that is the passion of Jesus as well. And it should be our passion. And so this morning, I want to fire you up in the area of evangelism and challenge you to use your gifts, your talents, your abilities to go out and to reach people and to tell them about Jesus. Because how many of you know that right here in Canada, there's just as many people that need Jesus as there are in the nation of India? And so uh, I believe that God wants every person in Canada to be saved. I say all of Canada for Jesus and all of Jesus for Canada. Amen? Amen? And so I believe that God has placed this church here as a shining light in the midst of great darkness. There's people here in Abbotsford that, that need Jesus. Their, their lives, are they're, they're just going through so many different issues and problems. I mean, problems in their marriages, problems with rebellious kids. They have sickness in their bodies. They're, 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 they, they have deep needs in their life. And I believe that Jesus can meet those needs. And Jesus uses us. We are his hands and his feet. And so in this community, God has placed you here in order to reach people for Jesus. Now, there are many different methods and ways of telling people about Jesus, many different ways for a church to reach out to the community. And I actually wrote a book, uh, over 250 different ways for a church to reach out to the community. I actually emailed you a copy of the book this morning. Uh, and so there's many different methods and different ways. But today I want to focus in on one method, something that each one of us can do in order to reach someone for Jesus, in order to be evangelistic. And so the method I want to focus in on this morning, something that you can do in order to lead someone to Jesus, is what I call the Zacchaeus method. And so we're going to look at the life 
of a biblical character named Zacchaeus. And so his story is found in Luke chapter 19. And I learned originally about Zacchaeus when I was just a little kid in Sunday school. We used to sing a song about Zacchaeus. And so Jessica, come up here and uh, we're going to sing this song. And uh, as Jessica sings, I want all of you to do the actions because my Sunday school teacher always used to tell me, do the actions. You got to do the actions. And so everybody uh, stand to your feet and uh, let's do the actions. (laughs) Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house to stay. All right. <laughs> Give yourselves a big hand. And let's read the passage in Luke chapter 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so the first thing we notice about Zacchaeus is that he was a short little man. Everybody (laughs) knew him as somebody who was really short. And when he was just a little kid, Everybody used to make fun of him because he was short. And because of this, I think you probably developed an inferiority complex. He was the last one to be picked to be play- when they were playing sports. When they played hockey, when they played basketball, he would be the last one to be picked. And so here this little uh, uh, man, Zacchaeus, he, he was so short. And, and you know, I've always been a little bit bothered that I am short. I'm I'm only 5'4", and, and I remember when I was a little kid, I wanted to grow big and tall. I wanted to be a basketball player. And, and you're just really difficult to be good at basketball <laughs> when you're only 5'4". And so I would pray and say, God, I pray that I would grow tall. I pray that I would be a, a, a tall. And, and everyone would always encourage me and say, you know, someday you'll hit your growth spurt. It, <laughs> but it never happened. I'm still waiting. They kept telling me that all the way into like my 20s. And and they said, you'll hit your growth spurt. And, you know, I hit like 25, 27. People stopped saying it. And I I didn't know why until later 
I discovered uh, Jessica, and uh, Jessica and I got married, and Jessica told me one day, she says, uh, I prayed that God would give me a husband the same height as me. And so God answered her prayer instead of answering my prayer. <laughs> so, so Zacchaeus was short. He had this inferiority complex. And, you know, my, my father, he grew up with a little bit of inferiority complex because when he was a little kid, his last name was Crawl, K-R-A-H-L, Crawl. And when he was in school, everyone would make fun of my dad. They say, hey, crawl, why don't you just crawl on the floor? And, and so uh, Zacchaeus, he, he grew up with his inferiority complex, but he decided to overcome it by becoming super successful. And the Bible tells us that he had become very wealthy. And so Zacchaeus, he had made money his God. And so he started to seek after wealth and seek after money. And all of his focus said, became on, on, on getting money. He said, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm short. He says, I'm going to show you all wrong. I'm, I'm going to become really rich. And so he became focused on getting as much money as he possibly could. And the Bible tells us that he was a tax collector. Not only a tax collector, he was the chief tax collector in his city. And so Zacchaeus, every day he would wake up and he'd go out, he'd, he'd, he'd collect people's taxes. And no one was excited to see Zacchaeus coming. No one wanted to spend time with him. He didn't have a single friend. Because, you know, we know that we have to pay taxes here in our society. We pay taxes in order to have paved roads and, and to pay for the defense of the country and, and, and all the different things that you pay taxes toward. But, you know, no one gets really excited when, when tax day comes. In the United States, tax day is April 15th. Uh, here in Canada, it's April 30th, I believe. Is that right? And, and on April 30th, you know, if someone has to write out a check to the government, no one just jumps up and clicks their heels together. And says, yeah, I get to write it. I get to pay my taxes today. Yeah. Well, can you imagine little Zacchaeus? He knocks on your door. You come and open up the door, and he's standing there demanding that you pay your taxes. And, and you don't want to pay, but standing behind him, there are two Roman soldiers. And they have their hand on their sword, and they're saying, you better pay. And so here you, you, you pay Zacchaeus, but no one liked this guy. And, and, and then he was cheating people. If people owed $100 in taxes, he was charging them $110. And he would give the $100 to Caesar, and then he would pocket the rest and keep it for himself. And everybody knew he was cheating. And, and so they knew that he was a sinner. Eight times in the Bible... It says that uh, tax collectors and sinners, it puts tax collectors and sinners together in the same sentence. And then three times in the New Testament, it puts tax collectors and prostitutes together in the same sentence. So everybody knew that tax collectors were sinners, that, that he was just a sinner. And, and what's sad is that Zacchaeus, his name means the righteous one. Zacchaeus is like a nickname for Zechariah, which means the righteous one, the holy one. And so he was a Jew. And everybody knew he was Jew. He came from a good Jewish family. But yet he had gone to work for Caesar to collect taxes for the hated 
Roman Empire who was occupying Israel at that time. And so here he is, he's known as the righteous one, but everybody knows that he's not acting in a righteous manner. He has decided to serve Caesar, he's made money his God, he's been cheating people, he's been sinning, and everybody hates Zacchaeus. But one day, Jesus came to town. Zacchaeus heard about Jesus. He heard about how Jesus was opening the blind eyes. Heard about how Jesus was healing the crippled. He said, I got to go and meet this man named Jesus. And, and so, how many of you know when Jesus comes to town, your life is going to change? Amen? Amen? Come on, somebody get excited about Jesus this morning. I said, when you hear about Jesus, your life is going to change. And so Zacchaeus, he heard about Jesus, and he goes and runs to the place where Jesus is coming into town, and there's this big crowd surrounding Jesus. And Zacchaeus, he tries to push his way through the crowd. He says, uh, excuse me, I, I want to get to Jesus. And, and so everyone in the crowd, they're, they're hanging out with Jesus, and, and they look down, and there's a short little guy that everybody hates. Everybody knows Zacchaeus. And they say, get out of here, Zacchaeus. Jesus didn't want to have anything to do with you. Come on, you're a tax collector. You're a sinner. Get out of here, Zacchaeus. You can't talk to him. And so the crowd pushed Zacchaeus away so that he couldn't meet Jesus. Well, Zacchaeus, he remembered that just up the, the road, there was a, a sycamore tree. And so he, he said, I'm going to do whatever it takes in order to meet Jesus. So he runs to the, the sycamore tree, and he begins to climb up into the sycamore tree. He didn't care that he had fancy clothes on. He didn't care if he tore his clothes or anything. He just climbed. He wanted to see Jesus. And so Zacchaeus, he climbs up into the sycamore tree, and here comes Jesus. He's walking along. And as he gets under the tree... He looks up, and his eyes meet the eyes of Zacchaeus. And he opens up his mouth, and he says, Zacchaeus. I think that's very significant, that Jesus knew his name. I don't know how Jesus knew his name. Maybe somebody told him who Zacchaeus was. You know, maybe it's because he's the Son of God, and he received a, a word of knowledge from the, the Holy Spirit. But Jesus knew his name. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows where you're from. He knows everything there is to know about you. He knows how much money you have in your bank account. He knows what you think about at night when you're laying in bed. Jesus knows everything there is to know about you. Jesus knew his name and Jesus knows your name. And so Jesus looks up into the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, and suddenly the whole crowd got quiet. They said, what is Jesus going to say to this man, Zacchaeus? And they began to elbow each other and say, hey, Jesus is going to confront that sinner man. That tax collector, he stole from my grandma last tax day. And now Jesus is going to give him hell. Hmm? And so the, the people in the crowd, they, they expected Jesus to look up at Zacchaeus, to point his finger right in his face, and to begin to preach to him. Say, Zacchaeus, 
You're a horrible person. You're a sinner. The Ten Commandments say, Thou shalt not steal, and you have broken the Ten Commandments. And you are going to hell, Zacchaeus, because you're such a horrible person. Unless you get down here in the dirt and repent right now, otherwise you're going to hell. I mean, the people thought Jesus would begin to wag his finger at him and begin to preach to him. But that's not what Zacchaeus does. You know what Zacchaeus does? Uh, do you know what Jesus does? That's not what Jesus does. <laughs> you know what Jesus says to him? He says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree, for I'm going to your house for lunch today. And everyone in the crowd began to, to mutter and complain. They said, doesn't Jesus know that Zacchaeus is a sinner? And doesn't he know that Zacchaeus is a tax collector that Zacchaeus has been robbing from all of us? Doesn't he know that Zacchaeus, he's so focused on money, money's his God, uh, no one wants to have anything to do with Zacchaeus? How can Jesus go to the house of Zacchaeus and spend time with him? How can Jesus go and, and, and eat a meal with this man who's a horrible sinner? But Jesus just ignores all of their murmuring and complaining. He goes to the house of Zacchaeus and he eats a meal with him. And in our society, people often eat fast food. You know, we go to McDonald's, we go to Tim Hortons, we just get something super fast and, and, and then rush out. But in the Middle Eastern society, a meal could take three or four or five hours. And so Zacchaeus uh, takes Jesus to his home. He runs in and calls his wife and says, Honey, go and slaughter the lamb. Begin to cook the lamb. Uh, we're going to have a, a meal. And call all his servants. Say, Run down to the marketplace. Get some vegetables. Put on a stew. And, and so they, would, they sat down and they began to talk. Jesus and Zacchaeus, they talked. And they just talked back and forth for several hours. And then at the end of the meal, it's such a beautiful picture. Zacchaeus stands up and his life has been completely transformed because of that time he spent with Jesus. Jesus was not condemning him. Jesus was not harsh with him. Jesus did not preach at him. Jesus did not point his finger at him and wag it a little bit. No, Jesus just begins to fellowship with him, shows love and compassion and grace to Zacchaeus. And at the end, look what Zacchaeus says, he says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. And so this is such a beautiful picture of repentance. He says, if I've stolen anything from anybody, I'm going to restore it four times. And, if I, and he said, I'm going to give half of all of my wealth to the poor. And so that very thing that had been his God, the money that he had devoted his life to see, he, he wanted to be a success. He, he, all of his focus was on money. Suddenly, he changes his focus from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, from serving Caesar to serving Jesus. He says, look, Lord, he calls Jesus Lord. Did you know that in those times, the Roman Empire had a rule that the only person you could call Lord was Caesar? And he was, he was a tax collector. He was supposed to call Caesar Lord, but now he calls Jesus Lord. 
And so he's completely transforming his life. And even the order in which he says he's going to give his stuff away is significant. Because if the, if the order was reversed, he would have ended up taking, uh, keeping a lot more of his wealth. And so he says, I give half of my money to the poor, and then I, if I have stolen anything, then I'll restore fourfold. And so let's, let's do the math. Let, let's reverse it and, and see what it would be like if he reversed it. Imagine if you had $100. If $100 represents all of his wealth. And uh, if he reversed it, let, let's say of that $100, he had stolen $10. And so he's going to restore fourfold. What's four times 10? 40. Who said 80? Um, so imagine that he gives back $40 to the people that he's stolen from. And then he says, then I'm going to give half of my wealth away to the poor. Um, if he g- restored 40 and he's got how much left now? 60. And so if he has 60, what's half of 60? 30. And so he restores, uh, he gives away 30. How much does he have left? He's got 30 left. But that's not the order that he does this in. He says, first, I'm going to give away half of everything I have. And so what's half of 100? Well, you guys are so good at math. 50. Then he says, now I'm going to restore fourfold. What's, uh, he stole 10, and how much does he have to give back? 40. And then how much does he have left? He's got $10 left. And so he was a tax collector. He did figures and numbers in his head every single day of the week. He knew exactly what he was saying. But it's just such a beautiful picture. He says, the the money doesn't matter anymore. He says, I'm going to restore everything I've stolen. He completely repents. He turns his life around. And look at what Jesus says. Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. Remember, his name means the righteous one, but he wasn't living righteously. He wasn't living as a Jew. Everybody who was a Jew didn't want to have anything to do with him. They wouldn't talk to him. They knew he was a sinner. But yet Jesus comes and says, this man too is a son of Abraham. Jesus restores him to his position as a righteous man. Jesus looks at him not as he was, a sinner and tax collector, but as the man he could become, a righteous man. And church history tells us that Zacchaeus later became the bishop of the church in Caesarea. And so Zacchaeus, his entire life is changed. And then it says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What a beautiful picture. Jesus comes to seek and to save that was, which was lost. Here in Luke 19, he saves, he seeks and saves a lost man. And if you just turn over a couple of chapters to Luke chapter 15, you see the heart of Jesus to seek and to save the lost. In Luke 15, we have three stories about something that was lost that was then found. The first story is the parable of the lost sheep. The second story is the parable of the lost coin. And then the third story is the parable of the lost son. We know it as the prodigal son. You remember the story. There was this 
this rich man had two sons, and the younger son came and, and said, Father, could you give me my inheritance now? Which was extremely insulting. Basically, he was saying, Dad, I wish you were already dead. But the father's loving. He gives half of his wealth to the son. The younger son takes the wealth. He goes to a faraway land, and he wastes the money in riotous living. He uses it to buy prostitutes, to party. He's got lots of friends. He's buying them all beer. He's doing drugs. He's gambling. But then one day, the money runs out, and he has no more friends anymore. And he gets a job feeding pigs, which for a Jew, that was the, the worst possible job because they weren't allowed to associate with pigs. But he's feeding the pigs, and he's so hungry, he wishes he could eat the food that the pigs were eating. And suddenly, he comes to himself. He remembers his father. He says, even the servants in my father's house eat better than I eat. And, and so he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to repent. And so he starts trudging back all the way, thinking of how he's going to repent. And the father is out in front of his house and he's looking for his son. My son has been lost. Where is my lost son? And so on this day, way off in the distance, he sees the son and, and he says, is that my son? It looks like my son. And he starts running as fast as he can. And the son falls to his knees and begins to repent. The father doesn't even listen. He just lifts him to his feet, takes off his coat, puts his coat on his son, takes off his shoes and puts his shoes on his son's bare feet. He takes the ring the signet ring off of his finger and puts it on his son's hand. He grabs him by the hand and drags him into the house. And he, he calls all the servants and says, we're going to have a party. He says, my son who is lost has now been found. He says, kill the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate because my son has now been found. And so there was an older brother. And the older brother was not happy when he heard what had happened. He began to pout and, and to complain, and, and he, he, he said, Dad, he, he, he says, I've been here all these years. You've never even given me a goat. He says, and here my younger brother comes home, and you celebrate, and he's wasted all your money. And, and the father, he, he just ministers to the older son and says, come and celebrate with me, because my son who was lost has now been found. And the Bible tells us there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who are there in the fold. And so all of heaven rejoices when someone comes to Jesus. And so the older brother, he, he wasn't happy. Uh, one time in, in Sunday school, there was this, the teacher asked, told the story of the prodigal son and, and asked the question, who in this story is not happy? And one little boy raised his hand and he, he said, uh, the fatted calf? <laughs> yeah, the older brother, he's not happy because he says, here I am, I've been serving faithfully, I've been doing everything right, and, and now this younger son comes home and, and, and you throw a party for him. If the younger son had met the older brother first, the older brother probably would have kicked him out of the house or he would have put him over in the servants' quarters and said, you prove yourself for six months, then maybe you'll get to go see dad. But look at how the father reacts to this son coming home. He's just so happy. He's so excited. Why? Because Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. God gets so excited when someone comes to Jesus. It's just so wonderful. And, and that's really what the church is all about. The church should have the attitude of the father 
in this story. We should be excited when people come to Jesus. We should jump up and celebrate and shout, wow, someone has come to Jesus. And, and I think sometimes people in the church, they act like the crowd that was surrounding Jesus. In, in the story of Zacchaeus, the crowd was surrounding Jesus and they pushed Zacchaeus away. They said, get out of here. Jesus doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Hmm? Or they act like the older brother in the story of the prodigal son, the, the older brother. He gets all upset and says, you know, how can you celebrate him when he's gone and wasted his money in riotous living? But look at how Jesus responds to Zacchaeus. Look at how the father responds to the return of his son. I think that's the attitude we could have Amen. towards people that need Jesus. Amen. And so sometimes when people have the idea of an evangelist, they think that the evangelist points at people and preaches them into hell. They're like the crowd. They thought Jesus would look up at Zacchaeus and say, you're a horrible person. You've stolen from all the people. You better repent. But look at how Jesus responds to Zacchaeus. He goes with him to his house. And he eats a meal with him. Jesus doesn't condemn him. Jesus is not angry with him. Sometimes when people get the picture of an evangelist, they, they, they have a picture of someone who's out on a street corner with a megaphone. You're going to hell. You better repent. If you don't repent, you're and, and you've broken the Ten Commandments. I mean, that's the picture some people get of the evangelist. But that's not how Jesus responded to him at all. And so some people think, man, I could never be an evangelist because I'm just not the type of person to go out on the street corner and yell through a megaphone. That, that's just not me. I, I, you know, how many of you think that, that you'd like to go yell at people through a megaphone? I mean, we got like one. Yeah, but for some people, that's just not in their, their makeup. That, that is just not the type of person that they are. But how many of you think that you could be like Jesus and you could take someone out to dinner and spend some time with them? How many think you could do that? And so this is what I call the Zacchaeus method of soul winning. The Zacchaeus method of leading people to Jesus. And it's so simple, all it is, is to take someone out to dinner or invite them over to your house for dinner or take them out for coffee and spend some time with them. Don't preach at them. Don't condemn them. Don't shout at them. Just spend some time with them. And I believe that if you'll do that, if you'll spend some time with some people that God will give you the opportunity to minister to them, to pray for them, and bring them to Jesus. And so this is my homework assignment for you. In the next 30 days, I would like each of us to find someone that needs Jesus and just eat a meal with them. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone that you work with. Maybe it's a next door neighbor. Maybe someone uh, that is uh, at your, 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 the school where your kids go. 
Um, Jessica and I, uh, we, we have our two kids. We've got a five-year-old and a, a two-year-old, and they go to a, a, a daycare. And uh, our, our four-year-old, almost five-year-old, his, uh, he's got a class. And in the class, there's several families that are from India. And we're always friendly with them. We, we talk to them and say, oh, we're, we're going to India. And, you know, they're Hindu, but we talk to them. And, and so one of the, the Hindu ladies, they, they've got a, a, a son who's the, the same age as Caleb. And so we were having a birthday party. We we're saying, who should we invite? We've we got all these friends. We said, oh, let's invite the friend, the, the Hindu little boy from preschool and just invite him over for the birthday party. And so that's what we did. We just, they come over, and we're developing a fr- friendship with them. And, and so we, we haven't had a chance to lead them to Jesus yet, but, you know, we've been sharing about Jesus with, with this Hindu family. And, and we're, we're, we're being friendly. How many of you think that that's a method you could use to lead someone to Jesus? How many of you, you you're good at eating? How many of you are good at eating? You can do that? Yeah, you like to eat? And look how friendly Jesus is. Look how nice he is. He just goes, he sits down with him. Look at how the father responds. He says, let's have a feast. My son has come home. Look at it. What a tremendous method for soul winning, to just eat a meal with someone. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and give you the name of someone that you can spend some time with a family member, a friend, someone from work, someone from school, just someone to sit down with them, build a relationship, invite them over to your house for dinner. Don't pressure them. Don't yell at them. Don't, don't shout at them. Don't preach loud at them. Don't condemn them. Just begin to spend time with them and ask God to give you an opportunity to minister to them. If they're going through some issues in their life, just say, hey, could I pray with you? Amen. Jesus can help you. Share your testimony with them. And if you'll do that, I believe you'll be able to lead someone to Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so this morning, you have a choice. Do you want to be like the crowd that pushes people away from Jesus? Because there's some people in the church, they're like that. They push people away from Jesus. Hey, you're sitting in my seat. Hmm? They push people away from Jesus. Or would you like to be like the tree? What did the tree do? The tree lifted Zacchaeus up so that he could see Jesus. Do you want to be like the crowd that pushes people away from Jesus? Or will you be like the tree who lifts people up? so that they can see Jesus, encourages people, helps people, prays for people, eats a meal with people so that they can see Jesus. And so I want to pray for everyone who wants to be like the tree. If you're here this morning, you say, yeah, I want God to use me to reach someone for Jesus. I want God to use me to to lift someone up so they can see Jesus. I want to be like the tree. If you want to be like the tree this morning, I want to pray for you. If if that's you, you want to say, I want to be like the tree, just jump to your feet right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I'm going to pray, and I believe 
that the same anointing that's on my life for evangelism will come upon you. And I even want to lay hands on you and believe God for an impartation of an evangelistic anointing to come upon you. Because every single one of us can be an evangelist. You might not be called to preach in front of a big crowd or you not, might not be called to get your megaphone and preach on the street corner, but you are called to reach someone for Jesus. Even if it's something as simple as just inviting someone over to your house for dinner and feeding them. That's something that you can do to reach out to the lost. And so I'm going to pray for an evangelistic anointing to be upon you. But before we pray for that, there's something else I want to pray for. If you're here today and you need Jesus, Zacchaeus, he needed Jesus. And I want to give you a chance to come to Jesus this morning. You know, the Bible says that Zacchaeus was short, and there's one way that we're all like Zacchaeus. He was short, and, and the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all become short in measuring up to God's standards. And the Bible says the price for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. And the Bible says that everyone who calls in the name of Jesus will be saved. And so Zacchaeus, when he met Jesus, he repented of his sins. The younger brother, when he came back to his father, he repented of his sins. And so today, if you want to come to Jesus, I want to pray for you. If you want Jesus to forgive your sins and you want a brand new start with him, just lift your hand up in the air. And I want to pray with you right now. If you want to come to Jesus this morning, just lift your hand up. Yes, ma'am, here in the back. Yes, sir. Thank you. If you want to come to Jesus this morning, if you want Jesus to forgive your sins, just lift your hand high. All right. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Everyone say, Dear God in heaven, Dear God in heaven I, cry out to Jesus. I cry out to Jesus. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. I believe, I believe. Jesus, died Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. I believe, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And today, I make Jesus my Lord. I no longer serve sin. Now I choose to follow Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And Jesus will make you a brand new person. Oh, hallelujah. All right, now I want to pray for those of you who, who want an evangelistic anointing. I want to lay hands on you because there's a special impartation comes when an evangelist or any ministry gift lays hands on you. You receive that same anointing that's on their life. And so I'm anointed by God to lead people to Jesus. And I believe that as I lay hands on you, that you will be anointed by God to lead people to Jesus. That God will fill your heart with compassion for the lost. And so if you would like me to lay hands on you and you would like to receive an evangelistic anointing this morning, just come to the front. I invite you to the front right now. And Jessica is going to sing a song and I'm just going to come down the row and I'm going to lay my hands on you. And I'm going to pray for a special impartation into your life 
I believe that there is someone that you are called by God to reach. There's someone that you can lead to Jesus, that you can make a difference in their life. You can answer their questions. Help them come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So everyone just lift up your hands towards heaven. Worship as Jessica sings. And I'm going to come and lay hands.